Hey firecrackers, it's Naomi and welcome to the firecracker department. How's everybody doing? How's your June going? How's your Pride Month going? What are you doing to celebrate Pride this month? I have so many people in our firecracker department that are so dear to me and I celebrate them every day, but Pride Month, just a little bit more, you know, just a little bit more light on them because I just love them so much. And, um, oh, you know, my world is just so good with them in it. So good. Speaking of so good, we had, oh, we had a kick-ass mentorship department event last weekend. It was so amazing. We've been doing these mentorship department events um, every couple of months where it's a focus on different work, on different capacities within the industry. So the one event was uh, mentorship directors. This one was mentorship dramatic writers. And the team that is Veronica Martin, Kathleen Harkwell, Sarah Potter, Amelia Copeland, and Rebecca Marquardt just came together in this beautiful synergetic, yeah, I think that's the word, synergetic way that just is, it's magic, it's magic. And then we had like AJ Edmonds on tech and Sydney on chat support. And then Alyssa jumps in and helps. And it's just this like coming together of these beautiful creative hearts and minds and um, it's, it's magic. And then we had like 50 people that were inspired to hopefully take some creative action into their writing. So if this is your jam, if this is your kind of thing and you wanna be part of the next mentorship event, make sure you subscribe to our newsletter because what we do is we invite the firecracker department community first and then we open it up to the public so if you are a subscriber of the newsletter you're the first to know you know so subscribe at our website firecrackerdepartment.com the next panel we will be having various indie producers as mentors and uh that's definitely going to be exciting and then we've got a comedy writing one coming up and we've got a children's tv writing one coming up it's gonna be great. Make sure you subscribe to the newsletter so that you can find out all the information as it comes your way. Now, here's something I've been thinking about, and this came up in the discussions at the mentorship event. Um, I was moderating the room with Sarah Dollard, who writes for Bridgerton and Doctor Who, and just what an incredible human being there. And, uh, and we were talking about like, how do you follow the idea? Like, when do you know you've hit an idea? And she was talking about like, what makes you sparkly? What like ignites your id? And she said, What's, what gets you itty? Which I just love that expression, what gets you itty? Uh, so that's something that really resonated with me and trying to stay in touch with my, my gut, really. That's what it is, is so that when you're working on a project, the things that really get you jazzed, make sure that's the, road you're traveling on. Speaking of getting it, girl, this is the worst segue and it doesn't make any sense. Emily Churchill, one of the core Firecracker members, is bringing you a shout out. And here it is. Hi, this is Emily Churchill with the wellness department. And I'm also part of the new FDTV that's coming up soon. Jill Cardi is a firecracker my good friend and partner in crime jill cardi um she's my other half on our web series friends on a bench and if you want to check her out uh her instagram handle and i believe facebook is at jcarts25 at jcarts25 and you can also check us out at friendsonabench.com and that's at friends on a bench um, so you can find us on insta and facebook thanks em i love it 
I also could listen to M talk forever. And FYI to your eye, we have an episode coming up where you can just listen to Emily's story entirely, which was just a treat. I love that firecracker. Just a quick note from me, Sydney, head of uh, post-production and communications at Firecracker Department. The incredible Emily Churchill is also hosting a wellness retreat this week. So on June 24th, which is this Thursday, from 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time and 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on that sweet, sweet Zoom, baby. So you can tap in from wherever and in Emily's words, an online mini workshop where we will tap into our inner knowing, get clear about what things in our life you want to release for our highest good and create a clean slate to embrace the rest of 2021. So I've attended Emily's workshops in the past and I don't understand or really follow astrology or the stars to be honest and it's so good. You leave your camera off and you listen. They're just so enlightening and so delightful. I can't recommend them enough and I can't recommend Emily enough. You can follow M at Let's Heal This Shit and at the hashtag Firecracker Wellness Department. We have discounted tickets. We have increased accessibility because of the sliding scale of tickets. So yeah, you just log in, listen, and just absorb the Emily energy into your life, which I think anyone who has ever met that woman knows. It's top notch. <laughs> So uh, check that out at our link tree on all of our socials, as well as firecrackerdepartment.com slash wellness. All right. Bye for me. <laughs> Back to Naomi. All right. Now, our guest on the show this week is Toronto-based singer and actor Georgia Grant. This episode is just super exciting. I mean, for so many reasons. And it comes at the perfect time because Georgia is not only a fantastic person, she is a big part of an upcoming special musical script department reading. Yes, musical, we've never done that before. This is what happened. We've partnered with Sheridan College's Music Theater Performance Class of 95 to support their newly created Class of 95 BIPOC Bursary Fund. What a great idea, right? These folks came together and they were like, we need to put this together. And they've put so much heart and thought and efforts into creating this fund. And, uh, you know, we're in their corner. We want to support it. This new bursary fund at Sheridan is to support music theater and technical production students who identify as Black, Indigenous, and or people of color. They have created this fund to help Sheridan in its efforts to dismantle systemic racism and create opportunities for underrepresented members of our community. We are positive for sure that this is an important step towards building a stronger, more inclusive learning community and it aligns with Sheridan's commitment, as well as ours at Firecrack Department, to program and create spaces that promote the recruitment and enrollment of racialized and indigenous applicants and firecrackers, right? Let's make more of that. We'll have the link to donate in our show notes, or you can Google Sheridan Class of 95 BIPOC Bursary Fund, and it's your top link. So as I mentioned, oh my gosh, I'm so excited about this event. It's a musical script reading with the script department. So the whole team from the Firecracker script department world is partnering with Sheridan and this team, and we're joining forces and creating something that I 
guarantee will be magical. It's happening Sunday, June 27th. I don't know when you're listening to this. Sunday, June 27th, 2021. So if you're listening to this five years from now, you missed it. Uh, so it's this Sunday. This Sunday, if you're listening to it in 2021, head over to our website or our social media at FirecrackWithDEPT to reserve your spot and get tickets for the two scripts you'll be hearing. Now, get a load of these scripts. First up, we have Sex, Love and Dolls by non-binary writers Jermaine Konji and Ben Page, followed by Chris Sujiuchi, the musical by Chris Sujiuchi. I mean, it's in the title. It's going to be all about Chris, and I have met Chris and I cannot wait. We are so pumped to be partnering with these firecracker humans and Georgia has been such a huge part of making this all happen. So now a little bit about Georgia and the artist that she is. Since graduating from Sheridan College in 1995, Georgia has made her home on the stage, both in musicals or straight plays. And some of her favorite roles to date include Beatrice in Much Ado About Nothing, Grace Farrell in Annie, Dion in Hair, Hippolyta in Midsummer Night's Dream, and Lady of the Lake in Spamalot. I mean, if you get a chance to ever hear Georgia sing, it will take your breath away. In May last year, Georgia was one of the incredible performers selected to participate in the first firecracker department dust off to sharpen up skills for musical theater firecrackers mid pandemic. This was such a great event. We're gonna do it again. Don't you worry. A lot of people have been asking about, are you gonna do another dust off? Cause it was so much fun. Um, we just had this amazing panel of musical theater experts, including Stephanie Gorin, who casts all the major musicals in Toronto. And then they performed a number, their song, and then they got tips and feedback from the panel. And uh, so much, not only great advice, but like kind, supportive, encouraging advice, like keep going advice. And George's voice is, I mean, it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous and I can't wait to share her voice with you, but her story and her journey with you. So I'm not going to. Let's get to it. Here is my conversation with actor-singer Georgia Grant. This is something I learned from you, Georgia Grant, when I was doing some research. Yes. Uh, uh -oh. First of all, I think it's our, our friendiversary because I think almost a year ago is when we met through the Firecracker Department dust-off that we did. Oh, oh my goodness. I'm oh, probably yeah. going to get like some pop-up on Facebook or something. Yeah, yeah. somebody's going to remind you. It, it's me. Uh, actually, Facebook contacted me and they said, would you mind just reminding? Because we're really busy. So just can you do the reminder for Georgia? Gotcha. Oh, I'm taking over. You have that kind of connection. Girl. That's right. Hey. Yeah, that's the kind of connection I have. <laughs> um, but I knew, so I knew you were a singer and I knew you did voiceover work. Um, and I just feel like throughout your entire life, music has been the consistent. Yes. And I want to hear, much. I want to hear the... Um, like the story of when you realized music was important to you? Because I know like growing up, like I loved, I read a couple of your blogs and I read about how your family always had music going in the kitchen. And I love that kind of vision. Like my father always had jazz going. It was yeah. like Bill Evans, Miles Davis constantly going yeah, in my head. Like school. my dad in his old apartment, like Vaughn and St. Clair, you know, those green, those, uh, green milk cartons, like yeah big thick ones he had one wall that was literally floor to ceiling across the wall filled with records like the old like album records but they were all um because he were jamaican by descent he was born in jamaica so they were all jamaican versions of pop songs but i grew up with that where like hearing different versions of songs so i got very 
like I love all kinds of music. Yeah. But like my favorite is like just that nostalgia is, is hearing like a Jamaican version of a, a popular pop song. Can you so share that's, any that's of where... I Because I love like when I hear like a song that I love already and then it's turned into that. Or I know there was like, or, or um, oh gosh, what was it that do, they, they just do covers and it's just so beautiful to see people fall in love with music that way. I don't remember those ones, but I do remember, because um, for my 10th birthday, I got um, a record player. Yeah. Um, and it was one that had like a denim cover and I absolutely loved oh, it. And I got, um, <laughs> right? I got a whole bunch of records from my parents. Yeah. And uh, like, I distinctly remember I had a little 45 um, with the Jackson 5 doing a cover of um, Corner of the Sky from Pippin. <gasps> Really? At the, yeah, at the time, I didn't know musicals. Yeah, I thought it was just a, a, a Jackson Five song. Right, right. And so it was just it blew my mind years later when I'm like, when I heard the Pippin soundtrack, I'm like, we have Jackson Five song. Like I didn't realize <laughs> right. that it was from like they had taken the the song from yeah. Pippin. So, but so you're so I, yeah. I discovered a lot of musical theater gems. So when did you know? Because like when did you know it had to be part of your life? Because it wasn't just something that you enjoyed socially probably elementary school oh yeah like I, I i loved singing to the record player um sunday they used to have like the sunday in the arts tv show right and they had like all different entertainers and like and like watching that i'm like that's what i want to do really when you're yeah. like 12 well yeah 12. and did that hold on because i know when i was 12 i was like i think i want to be an actor and then it kind of ebbed and slowed yeah it did but like, you I, just kept on for me, the Sunday in the Arts program, it was the dancers that I loved the most. So that's what I wanted to do. Had no training whatsoever. <laughs> but I'm like, in my in my 12-year-old mind, I'm like, I can do that. And it's, yeah, I'm like, I actually auditioned for Claude Watson uh, School of the Arts. Oh, Went really? in, like, I, I, I made up my own dance. Didn't get in, of course. But I, like, at the time, I was like, yeah, I can do this. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, don't you love that about yourself, though? Like, that's such a great like, quality. I was a lot more confident. Well, not confident, but brave at trying new things when I was younger. I'm a lot more reserved and, and careful in what I try now. Yeah. But back then, yeah. The singing was, the singing came around the same time. Like, I, in my mind, I didn't mesh them together into musical theater. That would, right. like two separate tracks. But in high school, my high school had a, a mentorship program. Um, and they connected me with Salome Bay. I read this. Yeah. And so like, at the time, I went to interview her about being strictly a singer. Yeah. And she was in the middle of rehearsals for a show that she had written called Rainbow World. Yeah. And I'm sitting like she's answering my questions about singing, but I'm watching the rehearsal going on. And I'm like, this, I, I love this. Can I be in this? I had no idea about auditioning or anything. I'm like, Miss Bay, can I be in your show? She's like, are you sure you want to get into this? I'm like, yes. And like, from then it was just, I switched from just singing to musical theater and I never looked back. Wow. So yeah, I read me, that about- Music in, in some way has always been some part. Yeah, I read that about you saying like, I'd like to be in the cast. I don't you wish it would be that easy nowadays? Like, excuse yes. me, I'd like to be in that cast, thank you. 
I think these chats that I have with firecracker department are so interesting because they, for somehow the universe gives me these discussions along the lines of what I need. And the thing that I've been ruminating on a lot is that fearlessness, that bravery. And I'd love to dive into like, what happens? What do you think? Where do you think we lose that? Where do you think we get that challenged? And how do we get it back? I think for me, I lost some of that in like, just in the the world in experiencing rejection in auditions. And after a time, like you're supposed to have a thick skin, but you don't really have it. You learn to hide it. Mm -hmm. And just after a while, it's like, I'm getting all of these no's from all of these professionals. Maybe they're, they're seeing something that I'm not seeing maybe. And so that just starts, at least for me, it starts to wear on your confidence a little. And then you have, it's harder to fight through that to, to get to the next audition. And it becomes sometimes by rote to do auditions and do performance. And sometimes you lose the spark that made you want to do it. And it's, it's, it's a weird thing is that you still love the arts, but sometimes you hate the arts. And it's like, how do you, how do you find that, that, that fearlessness? Yeah. I think I'm still discovering that. Yeah. It's such a strange thing. I know. I, I completely understand what you're saying. And I, I challenge myself sometimes to not censor myself. Like I'll say, I'll be like, oh, I'm going to say this because that's sassy sneakers. And then I'll say, no, 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 don't. And I'll push myself to do it because I like that part of me. Yeah. How, how do you kind of challenge yourself to get that spark back? My son, in a lot of ways, I like, I don't want him to have that fear that I have. Mm-hmm. So I challenge myself in, in ways and in, in how I raised him and teaching him. It's like, I need to teach by example. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I have to be not as fearful so that he sees that it's not that not that's not the way to do it yeah yeah i love that i mean gosh i have to tell you i was completely surprised you had a 19 year old son (laughs) it's that must have just been like what a what an amazing journey to be on with this kid that's 19 now like i mean that's not a son anymore you've got this man it's wild yeah like I love looking back at old photos of him and it's just like, oh yeah, I used to be that little. Like it's funny, I'm I'm doing, I just finished um, uh, doing a fringe show, a Toronto fringe show, and the yeah. director asked for some old pictures. So I started pulling out like oh. the old photo albums. It's like, oh yeah, he was like teeny, teeny, tiny. So, I mean, gosh, that feels like a whole other chapter. Like when you talk about, um, you know, like this, your eye on the prize of musical theater, was it like Broadway? Was it like, I just want to get into musical theater? Cause I can see the musical theater work that you've done and they all seem like, um, uh, I, I don't even know how to say, I, they're not fluffy pieces. They're very like purposeful pieces that you've uh, once on the Isle, this island, um, as you said, the rainbow world, like things that actually have vo- a voice and a story that is impactful behind them. When I first began, like after graduating uh, college, um, I found a lot of the time that I was following, like if, I, if there was a director that I loved, that I wanted to work with them. But as the years got gone, went by, I'm like, I realized that I want both. I want to show that I, I that I feel 
something for it mm-hmm. as well as the team. So it's sort of, I sort of like narrowed what I would audition for. It's like, I don't want to audition for something that I'm not passionate about mm-hmm. because then it's just, it's not, it doesn't fulfill me in that way. Yeah. So I, I do find now is I'm, I'm very picky about what shows I want to audition for. It's like the team, who the team are going to be, who my potential castmates are going to be. That all has to gel yes. for me. Or it's just not, it's not, not an experience that I feel is worth it. Yeah. And it can also like take you down a creative notch. Like I've been part of projects before that have taken me time to recover from. Yeah. Creatively. Oh yeah. Has that happened yeah. to you? And do you have a story that Absolutely. you can, you can I, share? Because I feel like that's universal, that kind of thing. But what I think is like, we have all gone through those times when you said like, I, it has to be right. And whether we don't listen to our instincts and we pursue a project that we know in our gut isn't right. And then we have to recover afterwards. I think that's universal. I'd love to hear your story because I think it's so relatable. Years ago, many, many years ago, just a couple of years out of college, I was cast in a show. It was the kids theater show and they would tour around to schools all across uh, Ontario. And the gentleman who was in charge of the company was very uh, verbally abusive. Uh. He was just... He had one cast member who he would call fat boy. Um, he called me convict because I didn't smile enough. And it was just, it. Oh. I that was the only summer that I actually learned how to smoke because it was just something that you. the cast would do just like to get all the anger and the angst and the, the upset of this whole experience. Yeah. And it, it, threw me off theater for like really? a year or so just because I just, yeah, I just, I, I didn't want to have anything to do with it because of that experience. Yeah. It was, it was very, very traumatic. I can imagine. It was just as I like, just my, the beginning of my career. So it was just, it was devastating. And so how did you recover from that? I ended up uh, doing a community theater show, West Side Story um, with Scarborough Musical Theater, which is, I, I love that theater, that company. Um, and just, I got back the, the love of theater and the love of the theater community. Like that, that was for me is a turning point is, is rediscovering my love of theater was doing that show. It was very healing. I mean, and so I can imagine because coming out of theater school, you was that like when you first left Sheridan? Yeah. So coming out of theater school, it's like, I'm ready. Yeah. Let me at him, right? And then you're given this horrible experience and it's, it's flattening because I, we had been contracted to it, we couldn't get out of it. Like as right. there was that fear. He's like, yeah, you can't leave early because then I'll sue you and, and uh, your reputation. So we felt locked in. Like yeah. there was this freedom when our contracts ended They're like, oh, we're yeah. out. Yeah. And like, yeah. So. Do you, do you feel like, I mean, with your, your um, training through Sheridan, did you feel like you were challenged to find your voice along that training? Or did you feel like, because I feel, and I have to say, your music is your focus. And I see that you've obviously got like, um, immense talents in um, musical theater, but you're also a writer. And I, I would, like, I love reading all the blog entries that you do, because I think they are such, you speak from your heart. They're such beautifully written, heartfelt messages. Was that something you discovered through Sheridan? No, I, I've written in, in some manner for a long while I mm-hmm. just haven't 
I haven't focused on it. When I was in, in high school, I wrote a, a, a romance novel. No so, kidding. Yeah, it's just, it's, that's the one thing I, I love to read romance mm -hmm. novels. I, I always have. I, so I find that to me, any kind of novel, whether it's romance, mystery, horror, Mm -hmm. it's all the same thing. It's just a matter of where the story begins and where it ends. Mm -hmm. Like a mystery begins with the mystery and ends with you solving it. For me, the romance starts with you finding the person that you want to be with and ending with you know, either they're going to move in together or get married or have children. But, you know, two steps after that could be where the mystery starts. So for right. me, it's, they're all equal. Like yeah. I get a lot of people like, oh, you read romance? I'm like, it's the same thing. It's just yeah. the beginning and end of the story is set differently. I mean, so, what do you think drives your art? I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I honestly don't know. It, so there, there's something in me that I I have to do it. Like yeah. I, I get very irritable <laughs> when yeah. I don't have an outlet. I feel like that's a real sign of like artists when you you can feel you're out of balance. Like yeah. when you're, like, what's the part when you know you're out of balance? How do you recognize that? When I'm irritable, when I'm just, I'm moody. Mm -hmm. And so then what do you do to sort of resurge the the spark, as you've said? Listening to musicals. Yeah. Like before this whole lockdown, I used to go like to the, the reference library, the, the fifth floor where they yes. have all of the musical CDs. And I, I spent an afternoon just listening to different CDs, finding new songs, new shows, just that was my jam going to the yeah. library. <laughs> yeah, I love that library so much. I was at Ryerson Theatre School and I spent a lot of time on the fifth floor. Yeah, oh, yeah. shut it down a couple of times. <laughs> and yeah. Xeroxing all the music, like just like whatever it was, 20 cents a page and just like Xeroxing pages after oh, yeah. page, uh, page. A lot of money got spent on photocopying sheet music. So how has the pandemic been for you? Because I think, you know, folks like you, that you're so driven, you're so creative and you must have felt um, like the, the handcuffs were put on a little bit. A little. Um, I was lost emotionally for a little while, um, but then I had a health scare. So I had to deal with that. Mm. Mm -hmm. um, and do you want to talk about that at all? I had a pulmonary embolism, which is okay. blood clots in my lungs. Yeah. Um, and it was very serious. I was hospitalized for about a week. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that's serious. Um, so I'm still recovering from that, still still getting my balance from that. Yeah, yeah it must make you feel fragile. Yeah, that's not a, a, a feeling that I'm used to having. I can imagine. Looking at the parts you play, I don't <laughs> think of you as like a fragile no, oh, Georgia that's... Grant, the fragile little flower. I don't know. <laughs> you know, there's there's no there's no fragility in Georgia other than the, the the health the health portion of it. That must have been really scary. I'm so sorry. It was very very scary. It made me realize my mortality. Yeah, because it had gotten to that point where if I hadn't gone to the hospital, if I hadn't been diagnosed, if I'd gone home without the treatment, the next one would have potentially been fatal. So it was very, very frightening. Mm -hmm. And so that balanced with like in a pandemic when you're on lockdown, that must have been a really real challenge. In a way, the lockdown helped me reset because I don't know if I would have rested as much as my body needed to. Mm -hmm. 
if I wasn't forced to because of the lockdown. Because, mm-hmm. like, you know, a month earlier, if it happened a month earlier, like, or not a month earlier, but like, before the lockdown had happened, I would be, no, I got to get going. I got to get back to work. I got to back into auditioning. And my body was at the point where it's like, nope, nope. it's not happening. Yeah. So it's, it's, it gave me the chance to actually recognize the signs when my body needs to rest. Yeah, I can imagine. So what, so you've been sort of focusing on health during this pandemic. On health, but I, I also need my, my theatrical outlet. Yeah, And so I turned to voiceovers, like learning the whole thing. I started bit by bit buying pieces to create a little home booth in, yeah. in my place before the pandemic. Just buying like, you know, PVC pipes here, bought my mic there, headset, yeah. everything. And the pandemic came down and it's like, okay, I got the time to actually put it together and yeah. spent weeks learning like different um digital audio workstations and figuring out like how to use my mic how to record how to edit and just mm-hmm. so that it's that has been my outlet that's right amazing were you always like that even as a kid were you one of those kids that were like i'm gonna figure this out yeah very much so yeah where yeah. do you think you got that from who who gave you that superpower i don't know Neither my mom or my dad. Either. Well, maybe it wasn't a someone. Maybe it was a something. I have to think about it. Like I've never really thought about where it came from. It's just that it's 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 always been there. Yeah. Do you have siblings? I do. Oh boy. (laughs) I have two older sisters, an older brother, and then a younger brother and sister. Oh wow. Yes, but they they are all. my older siblings are my mom's kids and then the younger ones are my dad's kids. None of my siblings are full siblings. They're all half siblings to me. Yeah, that, that works so. out because then at, at uh, birthdays, you only give them half presents. So it, it exactly. works out. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, I was in the, a unique position where I was both the youngest child and the oldest child. Oh yeah. Right. Well, what do you think, what do you think having that kind of family and that kind of diversity within the family of, of, different you know like being brought up in that kind of thing what do you think brought that brought to you as an artist uh versatility Mm -hmm. because i had to fit in in a different way in each family yeah like as as the youngest of my mom's kids i was they thought i was spoiled i didn't think i was spoiled but like they say that your youngest kid you got away with everything because i was i felt i was fighting for everything that i needed you know to to achieve what i wanted but as the oldest of my dad's kids, I was trying to, in a way, set an example for my little brother and sister. And so it was just that dichotomy of the, the whole family dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. That's almost like doing a quick change. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I relate everything to theater. Everything's so connected. I. Instead of turning the lights off, it's lights down. My my quickest quick change was in and I did a production of Little Shop of Horrors. Yes. Or had to go Were from, you one of the singers? I was one of the urchins. Oh my god. It was gosh. so funny. And we had to go from an urchin costume to this red like Supremes costume and back to urchin and like in like in a space of like five minutes. It was just like bam, 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 bam. It's like yeah. So exciting yeah. though, right? Oh, I love so exciting. I love stuff like that what's been I mean I love that's one of my favorite musicals but what's been what's been one of your favorite musicals to perform in I think Children of Eden was probably my favorite one just because it was for me my first lead 
Can you remind me of like some of the killer songs? Uh, the Head Spark of Creation. You're gonna have to sing a little oh, bit for me. No. You're gonna have to at some point. <laughs> oh my goodness, I'm trying to remember the, the lyrics. Gosh, your voice is stunning. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Okay, so you got the lead. So you got to sing that. I got to sing that. I was I was Eve because the, the first act is about Adam and Eve. And then the second act is about Noah and the ark. Mm -hmm. And so I played mm -hmm. Eve in the first act and then Mrs. Noah in the second act. Noah. So that was, it was a lot of fun. Spark of creation. Yeah. Um, okay, that's been your favorite one. Is there a musical that you haven't done yet, but you're like, I got to do that at some point? <laughs> I think everyone's answer is Hamilton. I would love to play Angelica in Hamilton. That musical. Did you see it live? I didn't. I didn't get the chance before it, it shut down. Yeah. But I was signing up every day for the, the, the lottery. Yeah. Do you do you remember when like do you remember when you realized musical theater was your jam and it wasn't just music? Like, was there a moment that you were watching it or a moment where you were singing? It was um, my high school experience with Salome Bay. That with was Rainbow when, World. Yeah, absolutely. Like 100%. I'm going to make you sing a little bit from Rainbow World because I don't know that musical either. Last night I had the dream that I would save the world. I dreamed I saved the world for every boy and girl. I traveled far and wide. Suitcases packed inside. With hope and love and pride, I spanned the universe. I banished hunger first. Oh, Georgia, that is so beautiful. I got to, because I, I was in the ensemble, so I got to see artists like mm -hmm. really like learn their craft, not learn their craft, but mm -hmm. perfect their craft. I saw, you know, like them learning, the showing, they taught me how to portray a character, how to, to find the nuances. That's mm -hmm. what I learned from that. Because What did that look I, like? For me, it looked like possibilities because Rainbow World was a very multicultural cast. In my mindset, that's what I saw as the possibilities, a multicultural yes. cast. There was no, you have to be this role because you're this race, you have to be this role because you're this gender. It was just, so like for me that, has always been my mindset is that you should be able to be any role if you can portray the character truthfully. Mm -hmm. You can't go back after that kind of experience. Had you come from that kind of experience? Had you come from like realizing that people were sort of um, close-minded in that sense? Not until college. Yeah. I'd, yeah. And I grew up in a, a multiracial uh, community, but looking back, I know I know that there there was the the racist issues, but being little, I didn't notice it. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like I'm um, a couple months ago. I posted a picture of photo of my kindergarten class because it mm -hmm. was a discussion. It was Stratford had had a, a round table, an online round table, yeah, about all of the issues that a lot of the black artists faced mm -hmm. in the theater world and i i happened to, to post that at, i'd i'd only had two black teachers in my whole educational career in kindergarten and then at sheridan i had a teacher who came in and he he wasn't a full-time faculty member he just came in to do specific 
classes. Mm -hmm. So I posted a picture of my kindergarten class and somebody pointed out to me, I hadn't noticed it, is that it was junior and senior kindergarten classes and her half of the class was all multicultural. The other half of the class with the other teacher was all white. Wow. And I didn't notice it because you, you look at your, your pictures yeah. of your classes that you don't notice that divide until somebody else points it out. And I looked at it and I went, whoa, yeah. all of the black and the other, like the BIPOC, BIPOC kids are in Mrs. Limerick's class because she was black right. and all of the white kids were in the white, the white teacher's class. Yeah. And at, but at the time I didn't see it, but looking back at the picture, what, what did that do to you to have that kind of revelation? I was surprised that I didn't notice it, but not surprised that it happened. Mm. That that was the way it was. Cause that, that was the way they, they re grew up. That's the way we, we grew up. It wasn't right, but that's how it was. Yeah. Do you feel um, a responsibility now? Like I know you've taken on uh, this leadership role with developing the Sheridan BIPOC bursary program that we're so excited to do the partnership <laughs> event coming up. Um, but do you feel a responsibility to do that kind of like a leadership course? I feel the responsibility, yes, but also not that I feel weighted by the, the responsibility, but I feel almost like I'm not worthy of taking on the mantleship of it. Hmm. In a way, it's that 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 feeling of that maybe there are other BIPOC artists who would be more suitable, more, yeah, it's, it's that, I think it's that, that artist thing that everyone, that questions their worth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? What would you tell yourself though? I mean, gosh, if, if a friend told you that you'd be like, come on, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I think you're the perfect person for this. Have you wrestled with that? Oh yeah. Yeah. Very much. Very, <laughs> yeah. Very much. I mean, so. leadership is not for the faint, faint of heart, right? It, it's funny when, because the whole thing um, with the, the fund, um, Stephanie, Stephanie Graham had messaged me and said, like, I really want to do something. What do you think about this? I'm like, oh, this sounds amazing. And she's like, well, should, we should call it the Georgia Grand Fund. I'm like, I remember, what? Yes. No, 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 no. Like that was my instant reaction. I'm like, no, 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 not me, not me. Absolutely do this thing, but no, no, no. It, it can't be, it can't be named after me. No, no, no. Mm -hmm. It's just like, this is automatic. Like, no, I, I'm, I'm not worthy of that. What do you think about that? Like, I, I I'm, I struggle, but I understand that kind of like, I'm not worthy of, of space like that. But like hearing you say that, I'm like, bullcrap, you are worthy. Like, step into that, you know? What do you think? I still feel that way. Mm -hmm. I, I still, I think the name of the fund perfectly encapsulates that it's not just me. It's, it's us, our community. Like, via our, the 1995 class of Sheridan, but it's, it's a community thing. It's not just me. I think it's, it's, it's more than me. It's bigger than me, so it, it shouldn't just be one singular name or a group of names. It should encapsulate everyone. I feel the same way that that you know we're we're stronger together, right? It's better if yeah. we're working together on something. Um, but I'm also I would buy a, a Georgia Grant T-shirt any day. So just so you know, <laughs> you really want this mug on your? I mean, especially <laughs> the the Gap. I'm oh. such a fan of the. Are you kidding me? Okay. That's my favorite thing. 
Did you hate having a gap in your teeth growing up? Not really, really. Like I, I had, I had braces that had straightened it, but as soon as I stopped wearing the braces, it came back. So yeah. Same yeah. Thing. I mean, I always wanted to either have a gap, like as a kid, I remember like painting in between to see how it would look because I thought it looked so cool. And then I also wanted buck teeth so badly. If you look at my childhood photos, most of my pictures was of me biting my lips. So that looked like I had buck teeth. So they'd be like, okay, smile, Naomi. And I'd be like, and they'd be like, stop biting your lip. And I'm like, mm, I'm trying to look good for the picture. All right. Oh, what the complications we put on ourselves as kids, huh? Mm, oh, yeah. So what do you think? What's what's next for, the, for you then? Like, I think you're so driven. I know you've worked really hard on developing your voiceover career. I know that's like kicking along. What's something that you're excited about creating or sinking your musical theater teeth into? I'm excited to get back into theater, like into yeah. an actual theater. God, don't you miss it so much? So much. I didn't know how much I'd miss it. I'm like, I'm, I mourn it like it's like a, an old boyfriend. But there's also a little bit of fear in, in what is it going to be like with this whole movement with, with the, like the Black Lives Matter and like the whole structure, restructuring and dismantling of the racist systems, how it's going to be going into that with that all of those changes that are hopefully coming and then wondering if there are going to be some spots where they might not be as willing or as 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 forward in their movement as they should be mm -hmm. it's is that that's also runs through my mind as if i'm going to be going into a space that might not want to move forward as much as they should or could yeah how do you, where do you put that in your journey right now in the back seat yeah. Well, I mean, I'm grateful that folks like you are in the positions that you do, like you're not shying away from things like this bursary grant program and the class of, what is it? Class of 1995? Class of 1995. I'm aging. I'm aging myself. <laughs> do you feel like there's been victories this past year, like since the uh, Black Lives Matter movement? Small research? victories. Yeah. Small victories. Like what? What have you seen? I know with Sheridan, a lot of their faculty has become more BIPOC, which okay. for me is exciting. Because when that I went is. there, there was, there was no, there was no, there was just the white teachers, which, you know, they were, they were excellent. They were great sure. teachers, but I couldn't, I couldn't form that extra bond because didn't yeah. have that history. Yeah. Of like, so that, that's exciting to me is that the turnover and finding BIPOC faculty yeah. who can teach BIPOC students and you get that that rich history that extra connection yeah yeah do you ever think you might go back and teach okay no. never mind your face <laughs> just told me never mind these I've never been interested in in like directing or teaching it's just yeah. it's not something that I that I've ever aspired to I've always wanted to be the performer <laughs> yeah Oh gosh, your voice. I, I also have to say, like, whenever you sang, when you sang, um, you sang a song from Sister Act, but then you fur the dust off. And then even when you just sang now, I feel like singing for me is like the truest sense of connecting to your heart. Because you can't really fake it because you're breathing. So if you're faking it, you can see on your face, you're like, oh, that they sound really nice, but they're not connected to what they're singing or singing about. Um, do you feel like that too, that kind of craft connection? 
Yeah, I, I find that very much shows why I don't listen to pop as much anymore as I do to musical theater because I, I find, especially now, a lot of the the newer artists that are out there all all I ever hear is oh, oh yeah, right. and it's like all of this articulation and extra stuff, and it's like it it doesn't feel truthful or real to to me, so it's not enjoyable to listen to. Yeah. Whereas, like, that. like a good musical theater song, where, you, like, you feel the gut punch. Yeah. If it's a sad song, or the, like the instant joy, if it's a happy song, like that's my jam. Yes. Like, right yes. There. Like Hamilton. Like Hamilton, you just—it was like a like a roller coaster in my belly, like just going. Oh, like, exactly. <laughs> amazing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right, and I think that that kind of. Um, it's a gift. It's a gift when people sing like that. It it levels me when people can connect that easily to to music. Is do you have your favorite song that you do for all auditions that you can connect to instantly? Um no. Like I I there are so many. I yeah. I, I tend to pick a song that suits the show that I'm auditioning for. Okay. Yeah. Just something in the song for me resonates with the show. Yeah. So I never have a one specific song that I go from audition to audition to audition to. Yeah. It's such, I'm so excited to see you perform live. I'm so excited to see when I get to do that. Cause I think you'll just set the, set the stage on fire. I hope so. Well, not, not literally. <laughs> 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 I hope I will literally set it on fire. <laughs> What do you do when you're not singing? I'm reading. What are you reading these days? <laughs> Romance novels, of, of course. course. What am I crazy? Is your son at home with you? He is. He's in his room. He's playing his computer. <laughs> is that, uh, has that always been like, did he move out and come back during COVID? No, he's always been here. What's that going to be like when he leaves? I don't know. We're going to have to recap. Know. We'll have a regroup. It's like, even when he, when he's younger and he used to go to my dad and my stepmom's, the house was there was always this different vibe because he wasn't in the house mm -hmm. so it's it's the same thing there's like i get this vibe like i i, I don't see him but i know he's in the house yeah so yeah even just you know going to grab groceries it's like oh yeah this is it's a different vibe like i feel it this is where i'll turn the tables and i i let my guest ask me a question so that i don't make it uneven do you have a question um, for me? Where do you get the energy? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, like we love what we get to do. Like you can be the most tired and somebody will say, hey, can you do this cool part in this film? And you're like, yes, I can find the energy for that. So luckily I, I get to do what I get to do. And I don't, I don't really take it for granted. So, um, I mean, don't fool yourself. I crash hard. I like go from 60 to zero and then uh, Winnie can tell you, I'll be like, oh my gosh, I need like a couple of days to recuperate. But um, I'm, I feel really, really grateful, grateful that I get to do what I do. And it's also comedy. I do so much comedy that that, that mm -hmm. gives you energy, right? You can't be uh, like. I think that's what I need to do. I, I'm, I tend to veer towards musicals that have a darker theme or a sadder theme, like Miss Saigon is one of my favorite musicals. It's not a happy musical at all. <laughs> no. How do you do that? How do you balance that? Like that must be so draining at the end of your your 
night. I, I don't know. There's just something, it feels more real to me rather than like the happy-go-lucky musicals that are like, I love those ones, but they don't feel as real to me. It's yeah. like, because the world has happy and sad. Yeah. And so if a musical only has happy, that's only half the equation. It doesn't feel as real to me like that and ragtime, which is like my, one of my favorite roles to yeah. do was ragtime. And my character dies halfway through. <laughs> well, I mean, this is, I was looking at your resume and I'm like, man, she chooses really dark, dark pieces. You're not like, oh, Oklahoma. Like it's not. <laughs> well, I did do Annie. I did do okay. Annie. That was a lot of fun. That Who did you play fun. in Annie? Um, Grace Farrell. So you have like that kind of character accessible to you, yes. but you're not as drawn to it maybe. Well, I think you'd do great in all. I think that you, you could probably slay slay a comedic turn just as well as like <laughs> like the darkness that you're that you're attracted to Shakespeare I love Shakespeare <laughs> you do have you done a lot of Shakespeare um not as much as I would like what's a part you would love to play in Shakespeare oh I've already done Beatrice and much ado about nothing yes so I wouldn't mind another crack at that just yes. to find more nuances because yeah isn't that a great feeling like to say I want to do that part again like yeah. I don't feel like we're ever going to be done you know, even when like we might age out of those roles, we'll be like, yeah, but what about the oldest Juliet, which is what I'm striving for. <laughs> <laughs> she was 80. I can't believe they cast her as Juliet, but she did it. Uh, I don't want to, but I have to wrap our chat up and I usually wrap it up with some firecracker wrap up questions. I'm going to throw them at you now. I ask the same questions of uh, okay. all my guests. Fill in the blank. For me, a firecracker is someone who embodies that extra pizzazz pow i love it i love it what do you want to be best known for being a mother oh lovely yeah um what's something that people don't know about you i used to play the steel drums used to can you please please make a tiktok <laughs> video of that i don't have a steel drum there are i will send some over excuse me can we get some steel drums over to georgia please oh my gosh i love ingrained. that yeah that was that was our our band in in high school. We didn't have a regular band. We had a steel drum band. No kidding. I interviewed Nanita Desai, who's a composer in England, and she was like, "I just bought these steel drums," and she played some <laughs> on the interview. It was so beautiful. So in your band, you had steel drums, and were you did did you just love it? Like, were you? I absolutely loved it because it was like my culture. So it was it was very awesome. Yeah, and I can imagine. I mean, this is kind of going back a little bit, but like then when you leave high school where your culture is accessible to you and then you go to a place where it's not it's such a slam very much so yeah much so yeah I'm, I'm really excited to see that changing me too and you're doing that like I hope you recognize you're part of the change with creating this bursary program like it's changing on the outside I do mm -hmm. like I realize but it hasn't really hit yeah because it feels like just like just meetings and getting it together, but it doesn't feel like it's there yet to me. I get it. I get it. Yeah. And I will also say that even the discussions around it, even, you know, when we talk in Firecracker Department of events coming up and we're talking about Sheridan doing a BIPOC bursary program, it's, 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 it's um, prevalent in our discussion. So it's already rippling. 
and it's just going to be bigger and bigger ripples as it gets bigger. So it's exciting. Um, here's some more questions. What's been your favorite mistake? I don't have any regrets. Yeah. Because everything that happened happened for a reason and it brought me to the path that I'm at right now. Yeah. But I get it. I think I hear what you're saying. And I agree with you that uh, it's if you can uh, it's not avoiding regrets, but it is something of accepting that it's led you to where you are. As a, the old band, I think it's the floaters who do a song, everything happens for a reason. Like it was one of the 45s that I had yeah. from my old record and I, or record player or record collection. And I remember like the song for some reason came back to me in the last couple of years. And it's like, yeah, yeah. Like this whole path of there's, there's a reason why this happened. It's because this happened and this happened. And if this hadn't happened, this wouldn't have happened, which wouldn't, have, this wouldn't have happened because of this. So it's like, yeah, yeah. There's. I just feel like that's such advanced thinking. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like I haven't come up to that, to that idea of that, that everything happened for a reason since, you know, I mean, it took me forever to realize that. But has that always been in your heart that everything happens for a reason? No, this is in the last couple of years that I'm, mm -hmm. I'm starting to look back at, at past events and go, oh, okay, yeah. this is why this happened. It's funny is that these are songs that I, I grew up with and the seed of them suddenly flowered in the last couple of years. What uh, What's something that you haven't done yet, but you know you have to do? Grow old. <laughs> I like it. I like it going through a health scare. That's pretty great. Well, it's, it's, I, I have a lot of discussions with my mom and she's always tell you, don't grow old. I'm like, I, I can't control. I hope I will, mom. What are you saying? <laughs> yeah. She's like, growing old is for the birds. I'm like, oh. okay. She's not happy <laughs> she's, growing old. She's in her 80s. Yeah. So, yeah. Tough. She's, she's a tough woman. I bet. I bet. I don't. I don't insult her online because she will hear about it, and then I will hear about it. <laughs> so I won't call her an old broad or anything like that. She's a tough woman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And what part of her is in you? When do you look at yourself and go, "Oh, I'm my mother's daughter." My stubbornness. I have a feeling you're pretty tough <laughs> yourself, Georgia. Yeah. I am, yeah. I am. <laughs> the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. No, it does not. And it took me a long time to to admit that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I hear you. I hear you. It's when I like make fun of my folks and I'm like, wait a second. I'm just making fun of myself. What is, uh, who's a firecracker in your world that we can shine a light on? Is there anybody that you have in your, in your universe right now that you're crazy about? Janelle Cooper. She was my director for Once on this Island. Okay. That was the first time I had a creative team that was black. We had discussions about hair. And it's like, okay, who's going to have a weave? Who's going to have a wig? Who's like, what kind of hair products do you need? Like small things that a lot of non-BIPOC people would just like, oh yeah, just grab this hairspray. And it's like, it's not like that you for don't know. the black, yeah. for a, a black performer. It's like, yeah. if I'm going to have a, a, a weave, where am I going to get that hair? Who's going to take care of it kind of thing. And it was just like that, the whole experience. So yeah. And she's okay. the one who, who brought it all together with this was her vision and I love that. And she is now artistic director at Randolph. No kidding. Oh, amazing. Super exciting. But I love like even that story you're talking about like um like your hair treatment. It's not I mean, I, I want, it's not a small thing. Like it's something that makes people feel like they're recognized, that like they're seen. And I yeah. love like the nuance of that. I think that's so important. 
Um, thanks for that yeah, story. Like a small thing as having a mic that matches your skin or is as close yes. to your skin as rather than the, the, the tan one, which just looks like a tan line across your face. It's like, yeah, it's a no brainer really. But then somebody actually had to have some brains to say it out loud. Uh, what's advice, advice you would give to your younger self? Trust your gut. How's that going nowadays for you? It's going very well. I'm, I'm learning very much to trust and learning to say no. Oh yeah. <laughs> not always as politely as I used to. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that, uh, that brassy brave George is coming back. I think in, in little increments. Mm -hmm. little, yeah. That's amazing. Um, I've so enjoyed our chat and I just think you're a delight, but I just love that, uh, you know, it's so funny because I remember meeting you at the desktop and then I saw that you posted something about the bursary program and I'm just really jazzed that we're working together for this script department event coming up and I just think you're extraordinary. I'm excited to see like when they they get the cast together and like when yeah. the whole thing to see what happens at the, the readings like. And then you have to you have to tell me when you're performing live because I can't wait to sit front row and watch your your star shine. I will absolutely. All right, my friend, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. This has been so lovely. Thank you for having me. We're gonna regroup at some meeting soon. So I'll say see yes. you soon. Yes. Okay. See you soon. Okay, my friend. <laughs> Bye for now. Now you can follow Georgia on Twitter at Georgia092473 or on Instagram at georgiagrant.ca and her Instagram handle is also her website. How clever is that? georgiagrant.ca. Now, if you're looking to donate because you're like, I can't make the event, but I love what the Sheridan College Class of 95 BIPOC Fund is doing and I want to donate. I love it. I love it. Or like buy a ticket for somebody, give the ticket away. Let's spread some firecracker love over to those folks who are creating this fund. It's really, it's really incredible. So you can donate to this fund online. And of course, because Sydney Nielsen knows what they're doing over here, the link is in our show notes and in our link tree. Their goal is to raise $35,000 to establish an endowment fund that will offer two bursaries annually, one to a student in the music theater performance program and one to a student in the technical production program. And they also have the opportunity to take advantage of a grant program that will match up to $15,000 if they reach their goal. I feel like we can do this. I feel like the buzz around this fund and this event, let's start spreading the uh, firecracker love out there and see if we can help them reach their goal. So if you've got the means, and it doesn't have to be a lot, but if you got the means to give, please do. And if you can't help support financially, gosh, we get that, we get it. But sharing the link and spreading the word doesn't cost a dime. Just do the old cut and paste, do the old share, do all those things so that we can support this fund. Watch our social media for the ticket link for the reading on Sunday and watch out for George's work coming up in time limits dropped on Easter Sunday, coming to the Toronto Fringe Festival, July 21st to the 31st, 2021. If you are in 2022 or later, you missed it, but you can still go check out Georgia and all of her amazing work at georgiagrant.ca. They're also on Instagram at time limits drop Easter Sunday. All those links, everything you need, because I know you're probably like, oh, I missed the link and then the thing, and then I, do I rewind and then I have to listen to Naomi's voice and I, I can't do it. I get it. 
All those links will be in our show notes. And I sure hope to see you at the reading this Sunday. It's going to be hosted by Farah Marani from our script department and also the one and only Jenny Burke, which I am so, so jazzed about. I love me some Jenny Burke and for sure stay tuned. And for sure, you know, we're going to get Jenny Burke on this show because she is a firecracker. Any questions, you send them to firecrackerdepartment at gmail.com and we got you. We will answer whatever questions come our way. But till then, you know, stay safe. Look after each other. Stay creative. Take some creative action this week. Don't sit in a place of, of inspiration. Take that inspiration and let it ignite you into action. And we'll be back next week with another podcast. Bye, everybody. Winnie Wong is our Firecracker Head producer. Follow her at wonder underscore Wong on Instagram and wonder underscore Wong 8 on Twitter. Sydney Nielsen is our co-producer and head editor. You can follow them at Sydney underscore Nielsen. Sydney, like Australia. Nielsen, like milk. This episode was edited by Jordan Giddens, who you can follow at Jordan Giddens. That's Jordan with a Y. The rest of the team comes at you from Toronto, Los Angeles, Austin, London, Dubai, and truly from all over the world. Get into the full Firecracker Department core team at firecrackerdepartment.com slash about because we're always updating and we're always growing. Stay tuned to our newsletter for advanced updates on our monthly meditations, upcoming mentorship workshops, live script department readings, festival partnerships, weekly writing workouts, and dates for 2021, and so much more. There's lots going on in Firecracker Department. Now, whether you're a first time or a long time listener to the Firecracker Department, we always, always want to hear from you. We love hearing what quotes, the specifics, the nuances of things that stuck with you. We mean it. We really do. And we respond to every single thing that comes our way. If it gives your brain goosebumps or it piques your curiosity or makes you want to stop and write something down, send it back to us or our Firecracker guest or both. I mean, everybody likes to know that when they put something out into the world that it resonates. And if it sparks something in you, use that creativity to take some creative action. Share it because it just reverberates, you know? If you see somebody being creative, that might spark somebody else's creativity. So pay it forward. Thanks also to Jeff Malutinovic and Igor Korea for our theme music. And thanks to you. Yeah, you. Sitting there, driving there, walking there, working out there, and taking time to listen. We know there's a lot of options out there and we really appreciate you choosing us. We hope to see you at maybe brunch, maybe the writing workshop. And until next time, thank you for listening to the Firecracker Department. We'll see you next time.